Well, welcome to Hilltop Church, everybody. Uh, so glad to be here. Man, this is a bitter and kind of sweet time of the year in that it's sweet because the days are hopefully gonna get longer and warmer. I don't know about warmer, but I sure do know they're getting longer. Uh, although warmer, it just feels like it's hit or miss lately. Um, but there, it, I think it's coming, it's coming. And it's bitter because, uh, well, this is the time of uh, year where a lot of our friends um, go back home for the summer. Uh, we have a lot of college students that attend this church, and uh, they're, they're finishing up school. Graduations have happened, and, you know, the terms have come to an end, and uh, they're heading back to their homes to spend a little time and, and uh, reprieve, trying to recoup from um, a pretty um, tumultuous um, school year. And so, uh, you know, there's a few of us left behind holding the uh, ship down, and uh, uh, my name is Daryl Temple. I think Joe already said that, but my wife was actually the one who was uh, praying for the women. And uh, I'm the pastor of this church. I co-lead with my wife uh, as well as uh, with a handful of other leaders. Uh, so we want to officially welcome uh, you to the service again. Um, today, well, is Mother's Day, and I have the task of addressing women, of which I'm wicked excited about. I am uh, pro-women in that, oh, let me explain, <laughs> um, in that... I certainly believe strongly that women play a vital role in the leading of the church and the fulfillment of bringing the kingdom to earth uh, today. And I know that that can be quite um, controversial to say, uh, but let's kind of get into the details and unpack why I am uh, pro-women and why I do believe women should be leading in the house of God. Are you with me? Amen. Um, as, as was said, I'm eternally uh, grateful for uh, my biological mom and all the other ladies, and I, I, I want to be careful here, that have played a, a vital role and have dedicated both their time and their care to nurturing uh, my faith in Christ over the years. Um, moms are great, aren't they? they? They've been throughout history on the front lines of, of leading the way and the raising up of godly children, Right? the building up of godly homes, and the leading the church with a grit and a tenacity. That's undeniable. It's really undeniable. Now, I, I use the word leading intentionally because, believe it or not, as I said earlier, there still exists a significant controversy surrounding women uh, being permitted to lead in the church. Now, we here at Hilltop are somewhat at the center of that controversy. If you've been here around here for any length of time, we actually had a woman address the congregation last Sunday. And um, my wife frequently addresses, and there's other leaders, women, who have addressed and, and, and have eloquently and with wisdom and fire have presented God's word and God's truth to this congregation. So we're at the center of it, and um, we let women uh, lead in the church. We, we let them disciple God's people. Now, no matter what side of the argument um, you find yourself on uh, the, regarding this issue of women in ministry and their role in the church, you cannot deny, ignore, or dismiss the countless contributions women have made and continue to make for the kingdom of God. You can't. You can, it's undeniable both biblically and historically. <laughs> like Women have their handprint on almost everything that God is doing in the earth. Uh, and there are several, several instances in Scripture alone, occasions where women have played a significant role in God's redemptive story. Unfortunately for us, 
um, a man named Eric Schwarmer. Now, I'm sure I am butchering his last name, so forgive me if you know him uh, or if he's listening, which I, I imagine he's not. Uh, uh, but he's already done the heavy lifting in an article um, he did with the Gospel Coalition uh, listing 21 examples of places where women emerged front and center in the scriptures. Now, I'm not going to list all 21. And he argues that there's even more than 21, which is really phenomenal. I'm only going to do about six of them for us today, just for the sake of time. And fortunately, it starts right in the book of Genesis. Eric makes the observation that a woman's absence is the first uh, thing declared not good in creation in Genesis 2.18. That's pretty remarkable. That will preach. He goes on to explain that the not good of woman's absence contrasts the good of everything else God made in Genesis 131. 131. Man, he goes on to say and make the point that man cannot rule earth without women. That's, this is what God says in Genesis 2.18. Eric makes the point, it's a great point, that even in the new earth, the last Adam, which is Jesus, will not reign without his bride. In Revelations 22, 5. Now, each and every one of those points could preach. We could just rest there and really unpack it, go after it. But let's go on. I digress. Let's go on. Uh, secondly, he says the first woman is named as being at enmity with the serpent in Genesis 3.15, if you're familiar, familiar uh, with the story. The woman plays a role so crucial that she is a special object of Satan's hatred. Now, I, I'd make the argument that uh, it continues to be that way today, um, even over the argument of women playing a significant role in the church and leading in the church. It seems like the devil's always in there trying to distort and, and trying to confuse the body of Christ of their place in the church. Third, he says a woman will give birth. He's talking about Mary uh, to the serpent crushing seed, the Messiah in Genesis 3.15. Uh, fourth, a woman is the first uh, An only character, this is phenomenal, in the Old Testament to concur a name on God in Genesis 16, 13. He, he says that given the significance of naming in the Old Testament, it is noticeable that it is uh, the uh, abandoned servant woman, Hagar, uh, who names God. <laughs> Do you hear that? I mean, that is pretty significant, right? If you're familiar with the story. Five, he says women act bravely in decisive moments uh, to preserve the endangered line of the seed of Christ, often in the midst of vulnerability and oppression. If you're familiar with the stories of uh, Tamar in Genesis 38, are, are the Hebrew uh, midwives in uh, Exodus 1, 15 through 21, are, are, are Rahab in Joshua 2, or Ruth and Esther. Really, the names go on, but... They're always playing a significant role. And then lastly, number six, just out of the 21 again, a woman is the first recorded Gentile to recognize Jesus as the Messiah and the first to go and tell a community about him in John 4, 4 through 42. If you're familiar with the story, this is the story of the Samaritan woman, um, likely ab abused and marginalized by her own people. She was the first on record, non-Israelite, to identify Jesus as the Christ, immediately becoming the first missionary to go and proclaim Jesus among her community. So what's the problem, right? I mean, I spent a good part of my 20s not even knowing that there was a problem. When I gave my heart to the Lord, my first pastor was a youth pastor woman. 
I, I didn't even know that there was a controversy or the scriptures exist that prohibited women to speak. But let's look at those texts if we could. I'm just going to put them up on the screen. There's 1 Timothy 2, 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, 34. They both state explicitly that women are to be silent and subordinate to men. Many believe that the scriptures prohibit women to speak and have authority in the church. With the exception of youth ministry, right? Which is interesting because in the ancient times, a 13-year-old male would be considered a man by the time he was 13. So, but in the West today, it's okay in the church, especially in churches who prohibit women taking the pulpit to put them in places of leadership in youth ministry, right? So we make that exception, that weird exception. And then secondly, global missions work, right? Right? I mean, it's all right for a woman to have authority and, and teach men as long as it's in places like Africa or Istanbul, right? But when it comes to America, nope, 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 pulpit's not open. But they, they can go and, and preach the gospel to places that need it, just, just not in more civilized, you know, polished areas of the world. And of course, there's small groups because, well, there's a lack of men who really want to lead small groups and often women step up to the challenge. And that's a general statement. I realize not all men are like that, but for the most part, women engage. But besides this, these passages are crystal clear, right? Like what is there to discuss, right? Like closed case, women should be seen and not heard. God, God suddenly, right? He just suddenly had a change of heart regarding women, and he came to the conclusion that he no longer has a use for glorifying himself through them anymore. Of course, you know that I'm being ridiculous right now, and I don't agree with those statements, but many in the church still do. Now, we need to be careful with this train of thought. Uh, we need to be careful with how we use scripture to determine such things like this. Uh, after all, it was Christians at one point in time that used the, uh, the Bible to support the institution of slavery. Of which I, I think we would all agree. I, I pray to God we would all agree, agree that it's that's repugnant. It's, it, that's absolute foolishness. But yet, nevertheless, it happened. Can I submit to you this morning, uh, without you thinking I have fallen off the infallibility train, like I no longer believe that God's word is authoritative and inspired, which I certainly do, but can I submit, it would, it would be good for us here at Hilltop, in the church at large, to consider and view passages like these as being culturally relevant rather than biblically authoritative. For example, uh, before forbidding women to teach and have authority over men, Paul actually forbids women from braiding their hair. You heard it right. Weird. Now, I don't know any churches, although I'm sure they do exist, uh, that would have a problem if a woman came into the church to worship God with braided hair. With that being said, during ancient times, during the time that Paul made that statement, if a woman was to have her hair braided, it would come across as seductive. Why? Because that was usually associated with prostitution. Because prostitutes braided their hair. <laughs> and so Paul is confronting the things going on in culture and kind of making the separation that it has no place in the church. I would imagine that everyone here, I hope, I pray to God, although I'm always surprised, would never tell a woman that she's in sin because her hair is braided. 
Why? Well, because that's ridiculous. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. But more than ridiculous, we know intuitively that braiding your hair is no more sinful than wearing it down or in a ponytail or any other way. I need a haircut. My goodness. Like I, I'm, I'm, I've, I've fallen off the train here. So, so we have to conclude, and this is my point, and this is what I want us to take away. We have to conclude that Paul is dealing with something relative to culture. We don't hold the line, right, when it comes to women braiding their hair, right? We would all agree with that. Well, then why do some in the church, when Paul says, don't let women have authority, uh, uh, why would some church believe that he's teaching eternal truth? There's so many examples, guys, in the scriptures that affirm that these texts are addressing uh, the negative impact that culture is having on the church in that moment. They're, they're not authoritative in that Paul is saying, no, women should not teach. It, it, is, it, is, it is hewned out, it is specific for that culture. Let me just, just kind of further make my point here. In the book of Romans, which I, I, I believe, if I mean, some of you more brilliant people can hold me account, to, to, accountable for this, but Paul is the author of that, that, that textbook, right? That, that book, right, Joe? Like Paul, the same guy who makes these sweeping statements in Corinthians and in Timothy, he, he's the same guy who mentions several women in their leadership positions in the book of uh, Romans. He mentions a deacon who's a woman. He mentions a teacher who's a woman. And this surprised me the most. He mentioned an apostle, <laughs> like uh, an apostle. In Romans chapter 16, one through two, Paul refers to a woman who serves as a deacon and he describes her as a fellow laborer of the gospel. And I'm sure you're familiar with the name Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, this couple, they played a significant role in, 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 in the life of Paul. Uh, some scholars believe that Priscilla had direct impact on some of Paul's theology and understanding of God. This is, this is the woman of that, that group, even more so than Aquila. But, 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 but Priscilla and her husband Aquila oversaw a congregation in their home. And, and this is another instance where Paul calls Priscilla and Aquila uh, fellow laborers of the gospel, thus pointing out his affirmation of women. So, what passages exist in the scriptures that encourage us and, and, and give us a bird's eye view of God's heart in the matter? Well, I don't know how I've missed this for so many years, but I'd like to draw attention to a text that we have used throughout the years here at our church and throughout our house of prayer. It's in Joel chapter 2, 28 through 9. That's right, the prophet Joel speaking prophetically, speaking God's word to the church. And, and by the way, uh, he's quoted by Peter in Acts. Thus, even more so, uh, um, uh, affirming God's uh, uh, heart in the matter and how he wants to use women and men. Let's read. You're probably already familiar, but we're going to start in verse 28 through 29. Here's the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass afterward, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and what your, their children? No, you, you know, like, and their sons? No. And your daughters, right? Will what? Prophesy. Okay. 
Now, now I looked up that word prophecy and, and I, I found that it had to do with speaking. <laughs> it had to do with communicating a message from a deity. But they're going to prophesy. He goes on to say, your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and what? Female servants. In those days, I will pour out my spirit. In my opinion, this is perfect theology of how God wants to or continues to move and use women for his glory and his good. Now, Paul cited, as I said earlier, Joel in the book of Acts as being the fulfillment of, of what God was doing in that moment when he poured out his spirit in Acts. Thus affirming uh, God's heart in the matter. Thus affirming that God still will use and continue to use on until his son's coming. Women. I don't see them being left out. Again, the word prophecy here in the Hebrew means to speak as a prophet, to communicate a message from a deity, either of proper behavior to a standard or future events. I see Women speaking and communicating God's redemptive message now and on into the future until his son comes. And I think that we would be, it would be best, I should say, it would be best is if we stop just cherry picking scriptures that kind of marginalize women, kind of, you know, stifle them and, and kind of put them in a corner and not say, like, go and do the stuff all us men don't want to do. You know, like, and, and start to think and, and search the scriptures uh, 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 deeply so that we can have more of a solid perspective of how God wants to use women. And I know the verdict's out. I know there are so many people who disagree uh, in the body of Christ. Well-meaning, good, Bible-loving, God-fearing people who would disagree with every word that I just said. But I'd encourage you, if you're one of them today, and I know they exist in this church, if you're one of them, search the scriptures. Just don't listen to what I'm saying. Just don't listen to what that famous preacher is saying. Search the scriptures and come to a more solid understanding of how God wants to use women. Because men, I'm gonna tell you, we're, we can't do this thing alone. Like the idea, I actually read this article. It was by the Gospel Coalition, of which I don't think they're really all that affirming to women. But they, uh, and I, if, I, if, I, if I misspoke there, I'm so sorry. I don't, I, but I've read articles. I, I don't think they're really hip to the idea of letting women lead. But they did this interesting article of the impact of when women don't lead in the church, the impact it has on the church. And it's astounding. And, 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 and just if I could shorten up my words and say it's not good when women are not involved, when they're not leading, when they're not pastoring, when they're not shepherding, when they're not doing small groups and discipling other women, uh, it, it's not good for the church. And, and, and here it is. Just because God has given me responsible uh, responsibility, excuse me, of this church, let me just uh, and clearly say today that I am pro-women. As long as I am the pastor of this church, there will always be women involved with what we're doing. They will speak the, uh, and address the congregation. They will lead in various places of worship and small groups. And I believe, I believe wholeheartedly that this is God's heart. I believe 
strongly. And I want to apologize uh, on behalf of the church to women, you know, and I'm not trying to listen. Uh, there might be some here. Oh man, he's lost his marbles, man. He is going way to the left. Like, like Pastor Daryl, what are you doing? But man, there has been such an all out assault against women in the church, in the body of Christ to stifle and to keep them just doing things that men don't want to do. But we need, listen, if we're, if we're a, a, a book of Acts kind of community where we're believing God to pour out his spirit, to revive the church, we have to believe that part of his uh, mission in doing that involves women. Now, I would be absolutely insane in, in, in disobedience to God, if I didn't let my wife, Bethany, grab this mic and address you as a community, she in some ways does it far better than me. She, she's a gift from God, touched by God. The, God. the spirit of God is on her life. And, and we need to recognize and not stifle women that have that uh, calling on their life. We need to push them out, out in front to lead the church. And I, I think that this is the way Paul saw it in the New Testament. And first and foremost, what's going to help us conclude that this is exactly God's heart is that we, we, we start to, you know, intelligently decipher the difference between authority, authoritative passages of Scripture and just cultural things that the, the apostles and the teachers in the text were addressing at the time. And so women, I, I just want to affirm you today as it's your day, it's your day of celebration where, you know, um, as a husband and as, you know, a son, you know, I, I just want to affirm your place and your role that God has for you in, in his kingdom and, and amongst his big church, his global church. I want to affirm you. And, and, I, and in addition to that, I want to apologize for the way that you've been treated and have been made felt to, you know, just be on the sidelines and observe us men just do it ourselves. It's not right. It's not godly. And it's not biblical. There's far more to this conversation that needs to be had. But this is a good starting point. And as a pastor on Mother's Day, I wanted to affirm and, and just bless the ladies of this house and trying to break up some of that foul ground that exists around some of the texts that men have used to abuse and kind of stifle and hold you down over the years. That being said, um, let's stand to our feet and we'll close in a word of prayer. Father, I glorious day today is, Lord, where around this country we'll be celebrating our moms and our wives. As women have played such a powerful and a specific role in all of our lives, Lord. Um, and God, as we leave this place and we go into that celebration, Lord, we, we ask that as men in our minds would exist, Lord, the ways in which we've used uh, scripture and we've used God to stifle and hold women back from their place, Lord, in the church and in the kingdom of God. Father, I, I ask, Lord, that in this church you would remove those obstacles, Lord, that you would, 
there's any of us who are maybe still a bit confused, Lord, and on the matter, God, I just ask, Lord, that you would continue to speak to us the scripture, Lord, to set us right and give us your heart, Lord. Uh, but most of all, Lord, today we just want to bless the women of this church, Lord, and, and not just with flowers, God, although that's great, Lord, we want to we we affirm their place in the body of Christ verbally, scripturally, God. We want to affirm it in Jesus' name. And, and so, Lord, as you raise up women in this church, and as you place them on the front line, Lord, uh, I pray that our hearts would always be willing, God, always be wanting to uh, build stages and platforms for their voices to be heard. Forgive us, God. Forgive us and create within us a new heart. Lord, I've been there, Lord. My own heart is struggled with some of these truths. But Lord, I just ask, Lord, as you did for me, do for others, Lord. Settle the issue, settle the score, and, and don't just let it be, Lord, because of what I said or another pastor has said, Lord. Let it be because we searched the scriptures and we found the truth and the truth did something in us. It freed us, in Jesus' name. And Lord, put, put women on the front line, God. Continue to do what you do best. Use their fire, use their tenacity and sincerity, sincerity and their willingness to roll up their sleeves and get to work in the kingdom of God. Use it, Lord. Use it, Lord. Let a, let a prophetic spirit, come on, pray with me, church. Let a prophetic, especially the men, pray for your wife. Father, let a prophetic spirit rest upon the women of this house, God. Let a prophetic spirit rest upon them, God. Oh, let them lead the church prophetically. Oh, God, we ask, Lord, in the fulfillment of Joel chapter 2, God, we pray. Lord, let it be, God, in this context. Let it be in our church where women speak prophetically and address the congregation, God. so grateful, Lord. We're so grateful for the women that you've placed in our life. And as we celebrate them today, Lord, let them feel and sense and know just how grateful we really are. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Listen, you can stand. Amen.